What's up, guys? It's Jacob with the Football Fanatic. Just wanted to pop in real quick and apologize uh, very quickly. It's, um, I've been on a hi hiatus for about a week. I've had some unfortunate life circumstances, so I just needed a break. I needed to focus on some other things, so um, that break's over now, so I am back, and I've got my Week 7 recap with Philip Enriquez recorded, so I'm going to play that for you now, uh, but just wanted to let you guys know where I've been and what's up. So with all that said, now we're going to get to the recap, so... Stay tuned. Thanks. Hello? Hey, hey what's up, Jacob? Yeah. Hey. How's it going, what's dude? What's going on, man? <laughs> Not too much, man. Watching some of the World Series before we, we start this. <laughs> nice. Is it good? Yeah, Dodgers are winning. Man, it's big over here, man. Being from LA, I mean, everybody's in the, you know, in the streets just yelling Dodgers. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Um, so you about ready to go? Remember? Like, yeah. We so we're just want to recap the 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 games here, right? From, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So you got the. You've done this with me before, so you know how I do it. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. I guess I'll just leave a little dead space, and then we can start then? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. <clears throat> what is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Fanatic. My name is Jacob Galpo, and today we are going to be doing our Week 7 recap. And joining me today for the second time is Philip Enriquez from the Say What You Like Sports Podcast. How are you doing today, Phil? Good, man. Good, Jacob. How are you doing over there? I'm doing very well. Uh, my picks actually went pretty well this week, unlike last week. Last week was pretty rough, but um, I that was uh, my fantasy teams did well. Uh, my pick em did pretty well, so it's going good. Yeah. Nice. Sweet, man. Yeah. So, um, we're going to be talking about all the games. Usually I would have done the Thursday game already, um, but I had kind of a hiatus last week, so I apologize for that. But we'll start with the Thursday night game, Kansas City and Oakland. So hopefully you got to watch that game. And it was really intense. There were like five last plays because the, the game kept getting extended. Uh, if you were watching the game, there were like um, there was the final play, and then there was a penalty, and then there's a penalty. So they just kept getting more and more plays. And I don't know, it's just a really crazy finish. Uh, the Raiders actually pulled this one out and beat the Chiefs for, to give them their second straight loss. The Raiders went 31-30. to 30. What were your thoughts on this game? I thought this was probably the best Thursday night football game that I've maybe ever seen. Because usually yeah. the, the thir Thursday night football games, they're, you know, there's some sleepers. But this one was exciting from, you know, the beginning kickoff all the way, like you said, to the multiple last plays that they had. So, you know, I was really impressed that Oakland was able to pull it pull it out, pull out the win in the end, because let's face it, their, their season was on the line. For sure. Yeah, they were 2-4 and four going into this game, and coming up against the team in their division, 5-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs, they have to pull out a win if they want to even have a chance in making the postseason. And they, they talked about it after the game, they said 2-5 and five just did not sound good. So they did what they had to, and they got this game. I think uh, two big notes for me for the Raiders, and the first one is Amari Cooper finally gets involved in the offense. He had 11 catches in this game on 19 targets, and that added up to 210 yards and two touchdowns, which is the best game by any receiver in this entire year. Uh, 
what do you think this means for the future of Amari Cooper? Is this like is this a standout game and it's not going to happen again, or is this a sign of things to come for him? Well, you know, that depends on him. You know, he's been pretty inconsistent for, I'd say, the first five, six weeks of the season. But yeah. like you said, he was beasting this last game. And, you know, of course he's never going to, or he's probably not going to hit those kind of numbers, at least this season. But if he can show some consistency going forward, you know, he's the legit number one ride receiver for the Oakland Raiders. He was Derek Carr's favorite target last season. And if they can get that chemistry going between him and Derek Carr, the ACDC connection, as they called it, you know, then that that's going to give the Oakland Raiders a legitimate shot uh, to make it back into the playoffs this year. So I think that's a big part of seeing if, you know, he can become consistent at wide receiver for the remainder of the year. For sure. I think it definitely had a big impact on them. I mean, you look at their record, they were two and four. And then now Amari yeah. Cooper gets this huge game. He finally gets involved with the offense and then they knock off the best team in the AFC, the division-leading Chiefs. So that's really big, and I'm hoping that is a, it's a sign of things to come. And you did see uh, he struggled with drops this year. He has eight on the year, which, which leads the league. Uh, and he did have another pretty bad one in this game, but he just kept getting targets. Derek Carr kept throwing the ball, and he made things happen. So um, I'm hoping it, it's a thing to continue, especially because I have him on my fantasy team as well. And <laughs> I actually I didn't really have any other options, so I, I had to start him this week, and it paid off big time. So. Yeah. yeah, that worked out. Um, and then the other thing that I noticed for the Raiders, Marshawn Lynch gets ejected in, like, the first quarter. On uh, There was, like, some controversy on whether or not he should have been suspended, but they just helped, they just um, dropped the ruling today that his one-game suspension will be upheld. Did you um, – what did you think about him running onto the field? Did you see that part? Yeah, I actually, I actually didn't catch it. I had to rewind it. And, uh, you know, I, I can understand where he's coming from you know, wanting to stick up for, for your cousin and everything. But at the same time, you're a professional. You're aware of the rules. You know what you can't do, and, and you cannot put hands on a referee. So, you know, I didn't think there was any way he was going to win his appeal. His appeal, you know, was denied. So, you know, unfortunately, he's going to have to miss a game, and he's just got to be a little bit more professional. Yeah, that was my thought as well. And I didn't. I, it seemed pretty obvious to me, but I know there were people who thought that um, it wasn't right for him to be suspended or he was right in what he was doing. So just want to get your thoughts on that. So then um, along with that question, Dwayne Washington and Jalen Richard are the two guys who played in his absence. And I mean, in the past few games, Marshall Lynch hasn't really looked that great, honestly. And DeAndre Washington came into this game. He had nine carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. Um, and he also was a little bit involved in the passing game. Do you think that um, – him having a bit of success in this game and Marshawn Lynch's recent struggles, do you think this is going to become more of a committee? I do. I do. I definitely can see this rotation becoming more of a committee because, as you mentioned, you know, he was able to catch some passes from out of the backfield a little bit more than I've seen them at least work, you know, in the passing game with Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, I think he's still a great, you know, goal line back. But I think he needs to be spelled. He's up there in age. You know, he's took that season off, but why not have him fresh for the playoffs? I don't see how playing these young backs is going to hurt the Oakland Raiders going forward. I think it's going to be a committee. Yep, I agree. I'm curious if it's going to be more Washington or more Richard or more Lynch. Like, if there's going to be one guy who's clearly leading or if it's going to be, like, a complete split. But that will remain to be seen. Next game, Marshawn Lynch will be suspended, as I mentioned, so... He will be gone. Yeah, uh, be two weeks from now that we'll get to see that play out. But I'm sure. I'm sure as 
I'm sure like it, it, that a lot of that is going to be the next game because if Washington goes out there and proves himself, you know right. what, that might take some carries away from Lynch. So I think we'll see after next week for sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I think um, depending on how things go next week on the ground for them, that's, that's going to have a big factor on how the committee is going forward. So move on to the Chiefs quickly. Um, there wasn't really anything real surprising for them. Tyreek Hill was their leading receiver, 6 for 125 and a touchdown. Catches that long touchdown. He always seems to have at least one big play in every game. Uh, Kareem Hunt was Kareem Hunt. He didn't get a touchdown for, I think he had six touchdowns in the first three weeks. Doesn't have yeah. any through the past four, but has had 100 yards from scrimmage at least in every game. So he still produces. So that's Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. you know, what I noticed for the, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, just talking about the Chiefs, like, you know, all the statistics and everything, they had a good game, and for the most part, they had control of that game all the way up until the end, in my opinion. But what I noticed is, when it comes to the playoffs, I think the Chiefs are going to miss Eric Berry, because there were some big plays, you know, that, that Derek Carr was able to hook up with Amari Cooper and, and some of the other receivers, and I thought, man, I, if only that defensive backfield of the Chiefs still had Barry. I don't I don't think we would be seeing so many big plays. And it might be something that comes back and hurts them, you know, when they get into the playoffs. Yeah, I remember thinking that as well because you look back to the beginning of the season. And, I mean, he did go down in the first game. But before that, like, their defense was performing pretty well. And it has been performing pretty well the past few weeks too. But they're kind of starting to fall apart, it seems like, over the past few weeks. They've really been giving up a lot. And I think uh, the loss of Eric Berry is really starting to show there. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree that should um, – or it is starting to have an effect on them. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we got for the the um, Chiefs. There's not really much of note for their receivers. Um, it's just kind of – Alex Smith spreads the ball around, and Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill get their fair, fair share of touches, and the rest of the guys just kind of rotate in and out who's productive there. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it for that game. So we'll move on to the next one, the first game on Sunday, the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is another one that came down to the end. The Bills win on a last-minute field goal, and they win 30-27. to 27. Uh, It was a little concerning. We In the past few weeks, we've seen um, Jordan Matthews go down with a broken thumb. We've seen Charles Clay go down, and he was the guy who really Tyrod Taylor was looking for for a while. So that we just weren't really sure who they had available on offense. But they find a way to score 30 points and get this win over the Buccaneers. Yeah, and I just want to say shout out to the Buffalo Bills because, like I had mentioned earlier, I thought they were tanking. And not only are they winning, but they're winning in the right way. Uh, Strong running game. LaShawn McCoy had 91 yards and a touchdown. Um, You know, the offense does not turn the ball over, so they take care of the ball, and they get turnovers on defense. And, you know, that's a winning formula, so – they're only one game behind New England. They looked really good against Tampa Bay. Uh, then again, Tampa Bay's defense is pretty disappointing. You know, they were able to run, you know, consistently. It wasn't big yardage totals, but as I watched some of that game, they were getting their consistent yardage. And, uh, you know, also Tampa Bay on offense, you know, I think it's time to start questioning uh, Jameis Winston and his legitimacy there as, as the QB. It's interesting you say that because I actually thought in this game that he started to look back a little bit better than he has been. He had three touchdowns, 384 yards. And, I mean, the stats probably were better than he actually looked in the game, but I thought that it was starting to shake a little bit of the rust off. 
I mean, I guess that's he had he said. had a lot of yardage. You're right. What did he throw for? Like three, I think three something, right? Three eighty four, something like that. And yeah. and he was completing uh, the majority of his passes. I did see the difference in in the completion percentage. You could see that on the field with the eye test. But he just doesn't. I don't know how to say it, I, the proper way to say it, but he just doesn't make the big play when it matters. And he, he doesn't take care of the football. You know, he had another interception. And, I mean, that's a lot of turnovers. He fumbles the ball quite a few times this season. So, I, I you know what? In the end, let's face it, the only teams that a win-loss – I mean, the only players that a win-loss record gets associated with is the head coach and the quarterback. And this is a bad start for Tampa Bay. And I have no choice but to say, hey, Jameis has got to step it up take care of the ball a little bit better. But you're right. As far as the statistics go, uh, you know, he definitely had a good fantasy game. That's for sure. Yeah. And, yeah, now that you mentioned that, actually, I, I'm thinking about it again. Now, O.J. Howard, he had two touchdowns in this game, but he was, like, wide open on both of them. It was completely blown yeah. coverages. So, yeah, I, I agree. Now, I had to think about it a little more. But, yeah, his um, – just on paper, his day was better than it actually was in the game. That kind of helped him get in. He did have a nice throw to Mike Evans for his touchdown. Mike Evans was 7 for 88 and a touchdown in this one. But, uh, yeah, Howard had two touchdowns, and they really weren't anything special from Winston. It was just blown coverages by the defense, which isn't really something we've come to expect. The Bills' defense has been very good this year. Um, but I guess yeah. they're struggling a little bit to cover the tight ends. Um, so Doug Martin in this game, he had 20 attempts for 49 yards. Wasn't really able to get anything going, but uh, they just kind of had to go to the passing game because they were down. The Bills were scoring quite a bit, um, so he wasn't really involved. I think the big thing, Cameron Brait had four straight or touchdowns in four straight games uh, leading up to this one. Didn't score in this one, and O.J. Howard had two of them. Do you think um, that that's partly just a, like a change of roles, like O.J. Howard's going to start to take more of that, or is it more of a fluke? No, I, I I expect O.J. Howard to start stepping up. I mean, he stepped up. He had two TDs, and, you know, he's the first-round draft pick. And you know what? Like they always say, all the executives in the NFL follow the money. The money's in your first-round draft pick, and I expect him to start, you know, getting more playing time and expecting him to be featured more in the offense going forward. Yeah, I agree. I do think that Cameron Bright is probably the, the better option. I think he's probably going to get more volume. But O.J. Howard – as the season goes on, I think he's going to start right. getting more and more right. of that. Yeah. All right. That wraps up that game. Now we're going to move on to the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. And the Bears win this one 17-3. Eddie Jackson, a defensive player for the Bears, becomes the first player to score multiple 75-yard touchdowns on defense in the same game. That's the kind of game this was. The only touchdowns scored in this game were on defense, and they are both over 75-yard touchdowns. Neither team was able to get anything going on offense. And I think the craziest thing, Mitch Trubisky, four completions in the entire game, and they still managed to win. <laughs> yeah, that's some Tim Tebow statistics for you right there. No joke. Yeah, it's funny because he's actually – Mitch Trubisky was the first, one, the first person to win a game with completing that few passes since Tim Tebow in, like, 2011, yeah. I believe it was. I believe it. Yeah. So that just crazy stats there. And, I mean, this isn't a, your typical game. The Bears just barely did anything on offense. And when they did have the ball, it was Jordan Howard. He had 21 attempts for 65 yards, just kind of grinding it out. And, I mean, Tariq Cohen, he didn't get any carries in this one. He did get, get one catch, and it went for 70 yards. So if you started him 
in fantasy, I mean, at least you got a little something. But that is a little yeah. concerning that his role in the offense seems to be kind of diminishing. But again, it's it's partly due, I think, to the game flow. He just didn't really have a chance to get involved because they didn't have any plays on offense. No, no. I mean, this. You know, I didn't really get to watch too much of this game, but it it just looked like a stinker. And you know, the highlights basically tell you everything you need to know. All the points were scored on defense. Uh, but what I, I want to get your opinion on is what's going on with Cam Newton? We talked a little bit about him a few weeks ago, you know, I, and I felt like, you know, his inconsistencies were due to injuries. And then he looked pretty good for a couple of weeks. But I, here we go. It's like good Cam, bad Cam. And you just never know which Cam Newton's going to show up to the game. And this, this, um, this time he has two interceptions, barely threw for over 200 yards. And, you know, he's just looking inconsistent. What's I, going on I, uh, with Cam, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was um, – it's frustrating to watch because he's another guy that I had in fantasy, and I didn't want him because this is kind of the play that I expected to get from him. And then, as you mentioned, the past few weeks he's been doing pretty well. Um, he was getting some numbers, and then you kind of expected that maybe he was coming back, but it just really hasn't happened. Um, it's the past three games that he was doing well, but if you look at the schedule, they played the Patriots, who have the league's worst defense – or at least they did at the time. The Lions, who didn't, haven't really been that good on defense lately either. Uh, and the Eagles, who another not really great defense. And then when they go up against the Bears, who are kind of a mediocre defense, he struggles. So I think it was partly due to matchup. It was partly due because he just kind of wanted to go out there and prove people wrong after that fiasco with the reporter. Um, yeah. He's going and balling out. But this is more of the play that I expected from him. And I didn't expect it to be quite this bad. But I do expect that it's going to be more like this and less like those three touchdown big games against the Patriots. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I, I just I just feel like he's the one quarterback in the league that you just don't know what you're going to get. He's like a grab bag. I mean, he can look like a top five QB one week and literally a, a bottom ten you know, quarterback the next. So I don't know. I just yeah. don't know if he's somebody you can depend on, you know, going forward if he keeps this up much longer. Yeah, I don't think he is, honestly. I mean, he's going to have his yeah. games. He's he's going to have them, but he's not a guy that you can trust, I don't think. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. And that uh, kind of reflects with the rest of the guys on that offense as well. Calvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess, uh, they didn't have terrible days. Calvin Benjamin, three for 65, and Funchess, four for 41. Um, so not a ton of production, and, I mean, that's just kind of the way it went for the Panthers in this game. And if Cam Newton continues to struggle, that's definitely going to limit their potential. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had seven catches in this one for 36 yards along with seven carries. So he didn't really get a whole lot of yardage, but he continues to get uh, quite a bit of volume. So that's good to see. But, um, yeah, I think those three guys are probably the only ones you can trust on this offense, um, and they're not really great options either. I mean, there's a lot of bye weeks in the upcoming weeks, so if you're looking for guys in fantasy who are going to be filling in, they're going to be fine, but they're not going to be great options in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, you're taking yeah. a big gamble. They're 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 high risk, you know, but they're also could be high reward if they have a good game. Yep. My thoughts exactly. All right, it's time to move on to probably the ugliest game this week, the Tennessee Titans beating the Cleveland Browns twelve to nine. Now I do not believe there were any yeah, there were no touchdowns scored in this game. It was just field goals back and forth. And I mean, the Browns aren't great, we know that. The Titans aren't great either, but I mean Marcus Mariota was playing in this game, and I expected them to do a little bit more, didn't you? 
I did. You know, honestly, Mariota, he's from the same draft class as Jameis, and he's another one that, you know, I think he, his is due more to injury. I think he yeah, gets injured a little bit more. But still, you know, I'd like to see him put together a string of games, like four or five games where he's, you know, balling out. But, you know, he hasn't showed us that. He, he barely threw for over 200 yards. And like you said, it was an ugly game on offense. I mean, there was nothing – I can't remember an impressive throw or a real great you know, big play that really mattered in the, in the game. So, you know, I just think, like you said, it was an ugly game. And, I mean, come on, when you're the number two overall pick and you're barely beating the Cleveland Browns and you can't put up a touchdown, I mean, something's wrong there because he's got a strong running game. You got DeMarco Murray. You know, you got uh, – I'm forgetting the Derek other guys. Uh, what's the – Derek Henry, yeah, you know, the big running back. And these guys, you know, they're good runners. So I, I don't see how this guy has an excuse. He's got a good O-line. It's just something for me. I'm putting him on watch. He's another young quarterback I'm putting on watch. Yeah, and I'm thinking they're – the team's like just, – they've just got to be stacking the boxes against these guys because Mariota's struggling. And you look at the stats. Derek Henry had 13 carries, only one yard a carry. He had 13 total yards. DeMarco Murray yeah. had 18 carries for 59, so neither of them really got anything going either. And I think um, both of these – just the entire Tennessee Titans offense is struggling. And, again, yeah, it's probably uh, partly due to Mariota. He's got a hamstring injury he's been dealing with. But, I mean, that doesn't affect all of your throws. I mean, you should be able to do a little bit more against the Browns, who uh, – another team that's kind of underperforming. I mean, they were bad Big last time. year, obviously. They're 1-15. But with all the, the draft picks that they'd accumulated with some free agent guys, I thought they were going to be better this year. I didn't think they were going to be Me great, too. but I thought they were going to at least get a few wins. But they're still they still don't have a win on the season. They're zero and seven. Yeah, they're they're zero and seven, just like the San Francisco Forty ers I didn't expect them to be this bad. I'm with you. I didn't expect them to be great. But if you would have told me how many, you would have asked me how many wins you think the Browns are going to have at this point in the season. I would have said at least two to three wins. But no, you know, and, and here's the worst part. The franchise is continuing to make the same mistakes they've made ever since they came back into the NFL. You know, they're pulling a quarterback, and then, you know, they pull him back. You know, they had um, Cody Kessler playing quarterback. We, we know what Cody Kessler is at this point. You know, I remember the kid from USC played in my backyard. So, I mean, he's not a starting NFL quarterback. So they threw out Kaiser there for a few weeks and let's face it, they didn't give him any help. He was, you know, he was turning the ball over, wasn't getting any wins, just weren't getting the production. So they pull him and now they're ruining another young quarterback. And if you really sit back and think about it, think about this. They had a chance at Carson Wentz a couple of years ago and they traded out of that pick. So you know what? The Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns, man. I mean, I don't see very much hope for them. I do like Miles Garrett. I'll say that. But as far as their offense goes, Kessler, Crowell, and all them, I don't see why you would put any faith in any of them, even in fantasy, and especially, you know, trying to get a win. I I, I don't see it happening for these guys. Yeah, and it, I agree. That's a terrible decision. Like, just a rotating door at quarterback. They've had three starting quarterbacks over the past few weeks, Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, just kind of rotating back and forth. And, I mean, if they keep doing that, how is any guy supposed to get reps? I mean, when you look right. at how they're performing, you'd expect they're like, okay, we're going to pick one guy, we're going to let him play, and no matter how bad he's doing, it's just they're, we're going to develop this guy, and that's who it's going to be. But if you keep rotating back and forth, none of them are going to develop. And that's kind Yeah, of you're taking seeing. the confidence away from all of, the, all of them, all three quarterbacks. Exactly. That would just be so demoralizing for the team. And, I mean, obviously, 
Deshaun Kaiser has three touchdowns and 11 interceptions on the year. So, I mean, it's not like he's playing well, but you got to pick someone and stick with him. I mean, you can't yeah. give him half a game and then switch him out. It's just you're never going to get any momentum that way. So, yeah, I would agree. There's nobody you can trust for the Browns. Even Isaiah Crowell, we thought was going to be good, averaged two yards a carry this game on 17 carries. They just The Browns are terrible. They're still terrible. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that, but. Yeah, so we're, let's move on to the next game. And this one is one I'm interested to hear your opinion on. The Saints beat my Packers 26-17. to 17. Um, And I haven't really had a chance to talk to anyone about Brett Hundley yet. So um, I've I've talked to some Packer fans, and we've, we've got varying opinions and stuff. But I'm curious to see, um, from a non-Packer fan perspective, what did you think about Brett Hundley in his first start? All right. I gotta admit, I'm probably not the guy you want to ask because I'm a big be, UCLA you can be fan. Honest. I can, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I'm a little biased. I like me some Hunley because, you know, let's face it, Brett Hunley put UCLA back on the map. So I'm a fan of Brett Hunley. Now, admitting he didn't look too good, you know, in this last game. I think yeah. uh, I'm looking at his stats right now: 12 for 25. That's not a good completion percentage. Only 87 yards and a pick. So that that's just not going to get the job done. That's a far, far cry from Aaron Rodgers-type numbers, which is what right. this team is going to need. So you know what, man? I, I don't think Brett Hundley with that team is going to be able to, to you know guide this team into the playoffs. I think that's a job for Aaron Rodgers, who's just an all-world quarterback. He's without a doubt the best quarterback in the game. Uh, but I do like Hundley, so I, I don't just want to you know completely – you know, rip this kid apart because I like him. I think he has potential. And you guys just might be surprised if, you know, he's able, if the game slows down for him, he can make plays. He can make plays on his feet. And you know what? He's got kind of an awkward throwing motion, but he can throw the deep ball. He's got accuracy and he's got leadership. So, you know, let's just hope they can rally, you know, around him because I I think he's definitely a good project quarterback. Yeah, and I, he's had three years to sit and watch the great Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, he's got to pick some stuff up. I, if you watch the game, he had one play where he drew them off sides in Aaron Rodgers style, um, drew them off sides and then threw the deep ball. And, I mean, that was I think the most concerning thing that I saw in this one is his deep ball looks pretty inaccurate. The pick that he threw came on a deep ball, and he missed a few other ones as well. Um, I mean, yeah. at, at the beginning of the game, I was kind of encouraged because it looked like they were going to do a little bit. Aaron Jones looked like a beast. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, but I think it was the second or third drive that uh, Aaron Jones didn't do everything. And Hundley was making some throws. He had the touchdown run on that drive. So it looked like there was a little bit of promise, but he wasn't really able to get anything going after that. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, like I said, we'll see. Uh, but he didn't look good <laughs> this week. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll get better. And they've got a bye week this week, so we'll we'll see what happens next week. And um, I do want to mention, though, the Saints actually have been a top-10 defense in the past month, past four games. So um, most most of the time when you think about the Saints, you think bad defense, but they've been a little better lately. So Yeah, will, for sure. I will throw that out there. And, again, it's Brett Hundley's first start, so give him a but, chance. But you know what? As good as the Saints' defense is playing, man, that Aaron Jones? He's beasting yeah. right now. He's beasting 131 yards and a TD. And I saw the beginning of that game where he had, what, like a 46-yard run. And, yeah. uh, man, he's he's beasting. He he ate up the Cowboys, so you know I remember his name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 17 for 131 and a touchdown. And Ty Montgomery, that, his injury is really what 
gave Aaron Jones a chance to shine. And I think usually you don't see running backs playing through rib injuries because that's a really painful, that's a painful injury to deal with, especially at a position like Montgomery. But I mean, if you're Montgomery, you're looking and you're thinking Aaron Jones is playing really well. I might lose my job if I don't play. So, yeah, I mean, for he's sure. Been trying to, he's been trying to play, but he's been struggling, and Aaron Jones is just looking fantastic. I really like what I see from him. And I think um, if the Packers are able to go anywhere this season with Hundley, I think Aaron Jones is going to be a big part of that. Because you look at the stats, Martellus Bennett led the team in receiving with two catches for 17 yards. It, yeah, that's You can't not really good. trust any of those receivers or tight ends at this point. So Aaron Jones is a guy who I'm very excited to see how he develops in the coming weeks. But hard yeah. to trust anyone else on the Packers' offense for now. All right, for the Saints, uh, Ted Ginn had seven for 141. Uh, he's, a, he's kind of a frustrating one because he's a guy who will get uh, a whole bunch of yards like he did in this game, or he'll get nothing. And I know that because I've kind of had to debate whether I'm going to start him or not. I found him on the waiver wire a few weeks ago, um, and he was, I, he'd had a good week, and I picked him up and thought that, like with Willie Sneed out with suspension and injury, I thought Ginn would have a role, and he struggled. And this week he kind of bounced back, but he's a guy that's boomer bust. Uh, Michael Thomas gets his usual involvement. Uh, the biggest thing for me, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara are both viable starters. I mean, when I was, if you watch this game, Alvin Kamara was getting a ton of targets and a ton of touches. Even though Mark Ingram was the feature back, he had 22 carries. Kamara's a big part of this offense as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, when Drew Brees is slinging the ball, uh, you know what, he, he's going to give these running backs a chance to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think, Kamara, I, I think as far as the way it looked to me, it looks like they're trying to feature him more in the passing game. And I think Ingram is more of just the, the runner. Uh, you know, like you said, he had 105 yards, a touchdown on 22 carries. So he's getting the bulk of the carries. But Kamara's kind of that all-purpose back for them. And, you know, Drew Brees and them, they, they, they like to take yards. They'll, they'll take what the, the defense, you know, is giving them. He'll exploit a defense. And I think Kamara's going to be a, a big big cog in that system going forward on the offense for sure yeah I was watching and I mean they set up a ton of screens for him I've never seen the Saints run that many screen plays maybe I just haven't seen him enough but they have plays in there for Kamara and he's getting involved so I think both of those guys Ingram and Kamara are both guys that you can trust going forward they just have a lot of volume going for the running backs and that's a lot of the reason that they're four and two right now they've just gotten a lot of production from that position and it's good to see um, yeah. they're, they're both getting involvement with Peterson gone, too. So it's, it's a split. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, that's a blessing for those two uh, as far as their stats go. Yeah, definitely, in playing time. So let's move on. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts get shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars are a team that's going to – they've been bouncing back and forth the whole year. They're 4-3. and three. They're win-loss, 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 win. So they're kind of just bouncing back and forth. They're very inconsistent. Um and they just seem kind of hard to trust, but they did pretty well in this game. Um, obviously, they're playing the Colts, who are one of the worst teams in the NFL, but uh, they were able to get stuff going. And one thing that was encouraging to see from them is they have a little bit of running back depth, it looked like. Leonard Fournette set out this game with an injury, but Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon were able to step it up. Yeldon had nine carries for 122 yards and a touchdown. Chris Ivory had 17 for 47 and a touchdown. So they were able to keep the run game going, even with Fournette out. Yeah, for sure. You know what? TJ Yeldon was somebody I was high on a couple of years back out of the draft. So, you know, to me, TJ Yeldon, you know, he's a big time talent at the running back spot. 
Chris Ivory ran that uh, short yardage touchdown to get Jacksonville on the map, scored the first uh, touchdown of the game. So, you know, he's a more than viable third option at the running back spot. They're definitely very deep uh, at running back. And Blake Bortles surprised me. I mean, going 18 for 26, 330 yards in the TD. I mean, you know, this guy's so up and down. Talk about inconsistency. We're talking about Cam Newton. Here's kind of a, a Cam Newton light, you know, in my opinion. You know, he's up and he's down, but when he's up, he's up. You know, these guys had a good game on offense this week. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, you just I, – I never know what to expect from them. And, I mean, their defense has been good. Like, they had 10 sacks in this game, and that is insane. Um, but, like, their defense is always good, but you never know what to expect from their offense. And this one they produced, but even in even with Leonard Fournette gone – they showed that they are committed to the ground game with TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory. Like that, that's the focal point of this offense. That's my takeaway. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Somebody that you know what? If you're in a, like a deep fantasy league or something, Mercedes Lewis is becoming one of Blake Bortles' favorite targets. He's kind of the old man at tight end, but you know what? I've seen him catch more than a few touchdowns this season. So. He's kind of a dark horse, man. He's slipping by some defenses. The old man from UCLA, he's still getting it done. Yeah, getting some red zone targets, and that's pretty much all you can hope for at a tight end position that's really been struggling this year. A lot of injuries, a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. So he he could be a dart throw in future weeks, especially with all of the buys coming up. And then for the Colts, I mean, they didn't get any points. So I, there's nothing yeah, that I, I say about him. You know, I don't I don't know what to say really at this point, but Pagano, he's probably out at the end of the season and you know what to me Indianapolis as a franchise is a mess. If I was luck, I don't know how <laughs> you know how <laughs> eager I would be to be back on that team because, you know, there's no O-line play. I mean, Frank Gore, I love Frank Gore as a Niner. I think he's one of the most underrated running backs of all time, but you know what behind this line and with his age, you know, I don't know what, what anybody can expect him to do, you know, consistently. And honestly, there's just nothing else to say about the Indianapolis Colts at this point. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, he had two catches for 27 yards. And last week he had a lot of yards. He had over 100, I believe it was last week. So he's just, he's boomer bust. And with Andrew Luck, he gets consistent production. But just the way it is now, you can't trust him. You can't trust Dante Moncrief. Yeah. You can't trust Jack Doyle. I don't think anybody on the Colts is startable. That's my opinion. If if you've got him in fantasy leagues, I mean, maybe, maybe Frank Gore sometimes. I don't know. It just depends on the matchup, I would say. The Jaguars are good. Yeah. So we, don't really, we can't really expect a ton from them. But, I mean, it hasn't been great. I don't know if you can trust them. I agree. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. Yeah, especially with Marlon Mack getting a few of the touches. And, I mean, they're still committed to Frank Gore as the starter, but with Mack mixing in there a little more, it, it takes away from Gore's upside. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, can't really trust anyone there. Uh, we got another shout-out this week, actually. The Los Angeles Rams win 33-0 to over the Cardinals. And last week we saw the Cardinals actually play pretty well, and then they come back with this stinker. And a big part of that is due to Carson Palmer. He went down. Uh, I forget exactly what he broke, but he's going to be out for like eight weeks. I think he broke his left arm, right? I think. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. It was something pretty. It was pretty significant. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, David Johnson obviously went down at the beginning of the year, so they just don't have a lot left on offense. 
No, you know, Adrian Peterson, you know, after a big, big comeback game, you know, he comes back with just uh, 21 yards on 11 carries. So AP wasn't able to carry the load with Carson Palmer gone. So, you know what? The uh, Cardinals offense just looks like one big question mark going forward because without Palmer, we need to see if Peterson, you know, can, can keep up the pace like he did, you know, when he premiered for the team a week ago. Yeah. Uh, honestly, my expectation, especially with Carson Palmer out, he's going to be starting to face stacked boxes again, just like he was in Minnesota when he started the struggle. That's just the way it's yeah. going to be. Honestly, with Drew Stanton, quarterback, you you don't really respect that as much. So you're right. going to be looking to stop Adrian Peterson. If there's a threat on this this team, it's him. And uh, Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, he's Larry Fitzgerald, so you kind of maybe you can trust him too. But, I mean, he was 3-for-29 in this game. He's kind of a dart throw as well, honestly. I don't know if you could trust anyone for the Cardinals at this point either. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, but, again, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, he's probably the most consistent wide receiver that I've seen in my lifetime, um, you know, outside of Jerry Rice probably. But So I, I think I'd put a little bit of trust into Fitzgerald, even with the backup QB in there, just because he's such a great, great wide receiver. He's one of the all-time greats. But outside of him, I don't trust anybody. You're right. Yeah, and I mean, Jerron Brown, J.J. Nelson, and John Brown, they've just all been splitting carries, and they, or I mean, just who's getting the workload, and it just goes back and forth. Last week, it was John Brown. This week, Jerron Brown and J.J. Nelson were the guys, but even then, they didn't really get that much, 37 and 35 yards, respectively, so I don't trust any of them. Yeah, again, Larry Fitzgerald, he's Larry Fitzgerald, so he's kind of a dart throw. Um, I think if there's anyone you can trust, it's him, but... Not really a whole lot to look forward to for the Cardinals. The Rams, on the other hand, they're continuing to look good. And even in some tougher matchups that they'll have coming up, I expect them to continue to do pretty well. They're 5-2. and two. Their new head coach, Sean McVay, has really, really turned the team around. And Todd Gurley is looking like a stud. He's a big part of that. 22 for 106 and a touchdown in this game, along with four catches for 48 yards. He just has a big week after big week, and he's a big reason that the Rams have had so much success on offense this year. Definitely. Gurley's a beast, man. I mean, you know, he's another running back that tore up the Cowboys, so I, he's a beast <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, I saw him take off on the Cardinals defense. I think he had an 18-yard touchdown run in the second quarter. Yep. I mean, this guy is, is just, he's on fire, man. He's on fire. And Jared Goff, you know, I think he started out hot. He's cooling down a bit. And when I say cooling down, I'm not saying he's playing bad by any stretch of the imagination. He's playing really good. But he's he's sort of he's sort of coming back down to earth here. Uh, he had 235 yards, one TD, one INT. Uh, you know he was having some big games towards the beginning of the season. But you know what, Goff in that McVay system, you know the spread offense, he, he's playing a lot better. So let me tell you, I, I think uh, any of these players are viable options in fantasy for sure. These are top tier off offenses here and offensive weapons. So. You know, take your pick when it comes to the the Rams' offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I do think there's one kind of caveat there. Carson or uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have played pretty well in this one, and Sammy Watkins he was three for forty two, so he was uh, decent. But I think uh, coming up, if you look at the Rams' schedule coming up, it is really really tough. They have the Giants, Texans, Vikings, Saints, Cardinals. So Sammy Watkins will be up against uh, Patrick Peterson, Eagles, Seahawks. Like, it's a really tough schedule for him coming up. Uh, he just has a ton of cornerbacks he's going up against. So I think Sammy Watkins is probably going to start to fall by the wayside. 
But Cooper Cup and Robert Wood, they're guys who are going to, I think, pick up the slack after that because those are teams yeah. that have a pretty good number one corner. And then beyond that, they're, I mean, they've, they're good defenses, but the Rams are good offense. And I think they're going to continue to produce without uh, Sammy Watkins, honestly. Yeah, for sure. They got a multitude of weapons there. Yeah, we've seen them produce, I mean, 33-0 in this game. They're just doing very, very well in all facets of the game, and I expect that to continue even in some tougher matchups coming up. So here's another one who uh, that was a, uh, kind of a shootout, and 31-28, to the Miami Dolphins beat the New York Jets, and this one, I I don't know what to say. The Miami keeps winning, and I keep um, thinking that they're just not going to perform. I mean, they had Jay Cutler at quarterback, and he actually got injured in this game, um, but he had two touchdowns before he went down, so he was actually kind of producing. But I, I, what do you think about the Dolphins? Because I, I just can't get a read on them. Dolphins are a mystery to me too, man. I mean, they're uh, they're just that team that, like you said, they continue to win in, in spite of what I think about them. And I think they're a below-average team. I, I, I don't believe in, in Jake Cutler. I have a little bit of faith in Matt Moore, but he didn't look good. He didn't look good till the very end of that game, you know, when he brought him back to win. But uh, you know what, Jay Ajayi, uh, he's another one that, you know, we thought was going to have a big season, really hasn't lived up to the expectations this year, but they're still winning. They're still winning. And somehow, some way, they pulled this game out, 31-28. And you know what, they're another team that's contending in the AFC East this year. And I I can't explain it. I really can't. Yeah. I, I don't think that I'm going to continue to um... – I mean, obviously they're four and two, so I gotta at least give them a little respect for that. But I still don't think that they're gonna be. I still don't think they're a good team. And in my pick'em, like when I'm making my picks for each week, I'm still gonna continue to reflect that. I don't think that they're gonna continue this pace. I I can't explain why they're four and two. It's it's just beyond my understanding. I think part of the reason they won this game is the Jets are playing a little bit of a softer defense, and they gave up two late touchdowns and a field goal in the fourth quarter while they were held scoreless, and that's why they lost this game, because the Jets were up big most of it. Um, yeah, they, just they were. Able, Matt Moore threw, threw two late touchdowns to get him back in it, and ended up pulling it out. And that's um, that's something that I think is interesting to note. Uh, Matt Moore threw to Kenny Stills, two touchdowns, six for 85. And I think especially Jay Cutler's going to be out for a few weeks, so Kenny Stills might be on the fantasy radar uh, while Matt Moore is playing, and maybe even beyond that if Devontae Parker is still struggling with injury. Yeah. And I think uh, Jarvis Landry used seven for 93 and a touchdown. He's still the guy uh, you want. He gets so many targets, and um, so he, he produces. But Stills maybe, Parker, when he comes back, I think he'll take Stills' production away from him. But one of those two, and then Landry are the guys you trust. J.H.I., you can't really trust him anymore either. He just hasn't done much of anything. Only averaged two yards a carry in this one. So Dolphins have... They struggled and somehow they still win. I, I just don't understand. Still win. Yep. Um, the Jets. Josh McCown. He surprised me in this one. He had uh, three touchdown passes and a touchdown run. I mean, I wasn't expecting that from him at all. He's an older player who's not really thought to be starting caliber. He's been a backup through the past few years, but he keeps getting it done for the Jets. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt, this this Jets team's another surprising team. I would expect for them to probably only have a win by now, but you know, they have three wins and in all fairness, I think they should have beat the Patriots a week before if it wasn't for that, that call. So 
you know, I think this, this Jets team's a tough team, and I think uh, McCown is a big reason for that. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a veteran, but he's a feisty veteran. Like you said, you don't expect him to run, but he's one of those guys. I, I, think, I think his mindset right now is this is probably most likely my last year in the NFL, so I'm going to make it count. And he's going he's gonna to put his body on the line and, you know, run for the touchdown if he has to do it, you know. And I think that's why this New York Jets team is, is a lot grittier than, you know, we expected going into the season. Yeah, and they're 3-4, and four, as you mentioned. They could have beat the Patriots last week. They probably should have won this game too. And if they did that, they're 5-2. and two. I mean, that again, this is another team I thought was tanking. This hasn't really turned out that way. And I don't – another team that doesn't really have a lot going for them on offense, Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse. Um, not really big-name wide receivers that you expect, but they both had touchdowns in this one, along with Austin Safarian Jenkins, who's become one of the most consistent tight ends in the NFL. Catches a touchdown for, like, the fourth or fifth straight week. I don't, I'll look up the numbers in a minute, but he has really stepped up big for this offense coming off of his suspension. You still there? Yeah, yeah. All right, sorry about that. I, I'll cut that out. <laughs> I'm not sure how to that. Um, Bilal Powell, Matt Forte, Elijah McGuire uh, just continue to split carries, and I don't know if they're just con- continue to um, have each guy have their time. They're not really committing to one or the other, and I think that's probably going to continue. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, no reason to think that, that it's going to stop. Like I said, this is a, is a gritty team. I don't see them giving up. And I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, for this team to grow going forward. So I don't think it's I don't I I don't see a reason to stop believing in this team and you know putting them keeping them as some fantasy options here because they're they're moving the ball three touchdown passes for the QB they're they're putting points on the board. Yeah, it is. They've had success with this time split, and I'm expecting that they're probably going to continue with that. And uh, to correct myself, Austin Safarian Jenkins has three straight games with the touchdown, but. He's oh, been very okay. consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No reason to think that's going to change uh, for me. Yeah. yeah, I agree. He's he's a guy that Josh McCown has been looking for. So that he's a guy that I'm trusting has maybe been a top five tight end with all the volatility at the position this year. Vikings and the Ravens. The Vikings win this one 24 to 16, even without Sam Bradford and without Dalvin Cook. They've they've got their injuries, but they still win this one, and it's partly due to the Ravens just not getting anything going on offense. That's been kind of the storyline this year, and it continues through this one. Um, I I don't know where to start. Like they don't have anything going for them on offense. Nobody can produce for them. It looks like. Yeah, you know I'm I'm not. Really, I can't say I'm surprised. You know, the the Baltimore Ravens kind of started hot the first couple of games. But, you know what, I think Joe Flacco isn't really an elite quarterback. Yeah, he's a Super Bowl winner. Yeah, he was the rookie of the year back in 08. But games like this show me you're not an elite quarterback because I, I know the Minnesota Vikings, they're a tough, tough defense for sure. I mean, without a doubt. But you have to be able to make the plays that matter. You have to be able to win a game like this. You know, you're you're now you're under 500. You fall under 500. So to me, big time QBs, elite QBs, find a way to win a game like this. And and, and he can't. He got really nothing done. You know, nothing was getting done in the running game either, though. So I, I guess it's kind of unfair to put it all on Flacco. But you know, Collins leads the team with just 30 yards 
10 carries, so that's barely a three-yard average there. So no real threat at the running back position. Um, the offense, to me, just, I'm sorry to say, but just doesn't look good at all. There's n- nothing good I can say. Yeah, Jeremy Macklin didn't play in this game due to injury, which, I mean, that partially had an effect. And, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings have a good defense. But leading up to this, they haven't really been playing well either. So right. I don't see any reason to think that's um, going to continue, or that it shouldn't continue. I think they're going to continue to struggle. I think Buck Allen is a guy who you can maybe trust going forward. He had 49 yards in this game, so not great. Um, but I think against um, not as good defenses as the Vikings, I think they'll or he'll perform a little better. But other than that, I don't think there's anyone I want in that offense. Yeah, I mean, like we said, the, the, the Vikings are a great defense at this point, but he threw 39 attempts and only ends up with 186 yards. In this day and age, with all the rules, you know, in favor of the offense, and you can barely put up 186, I kind of just gives me cause to pause. Yeah, five-yard average per throw is pretty terrible. And I mean, yeah. even if not a good um rate per completion either it's just just not performing and i agree joe flacco is not a guy i didn't think he was elite even when he won the super bowl i didn't i didn't understand the debate because he's just never shown it that's that's my personal opinion no you know who was elite (laughs) that ravens defense ed reed ray lewis and them guys Terrell suggs they were elite yeah not joe flacco (laughs) yeah um yeah so speaking of uh struggling quarterbacks case keenum He's played pretty well. He's kind of been up and down, though. He's had his good games, and he's had his bad ones. And Teddy Bridgewater is coming back pretty soon. So this is um, my boss as a Vikings fan, and I've talked to him a little bit about this. Do you have any thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater returning to practice? Like, should he reclaim the starting role while Bradford is out, or do you think Keenum has earned his role as the starter for now? I would – I mean, again, a big – part of that decision would have to be the health of Bridgewater and the comfortability that he has within the offense at this point after missing so much time. Um, but if he's legitimately healthy, he could take a hit and he has the confidence to take a hit. If he has the confidence to make all the throws off that leg, um, then I don't see why not. You know, if he has, yeah, I'm sure he's got the offense down. He's had plenty of time to study, but I don't see the big need to have to force Bridgewater in at the starting quarterback because Keenum's played fair enough. And with a great defense, you don't have to put the pressure on the quarterback uh, like Bridgewater right away because this defense is going to win you some games going forward, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, My boss was contending, like, Keenum, you know what you're going to get from him, and he's not – like, he could get you to the playoffs – but he's not going to get you through them, whereas Teddy Bridgewater, maybe he'll be worse, but he definitely has upside for more. So that was Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I actually agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, but at the same time, in the long-term future for Bridgewater, if he's still their long-term plan, which I don't believe Keenum or Bradford really is at this point, you know, you got to bring them along slow because it's one hit, you know, one hit or even just the confidence factor. If he doesn't have the confidence in that leg, in the reconstructed leg, you know, it could get ugly, you know, so you don't want that either. Yeah, and I haven't really gotten to see him in practice, so I'm not sure how well he's doing, but I know he is practicing, so we'll see if he makes his return again anytime soon. Stephon Diggs is another guy who is out with an injury for this game, um, and because of that, their their offense kind of struggled, especially receiving. 
Uh, Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph probably did the most. Jarius Wright ended up with the most yardage, but Rudolph and Thielen tied for the most catches with five, and they're the guys that I would trust going back to in the week. I think the biggest question mark for me, Latavius Murray led this team. After we saw Jarek McKinnon have a really good week last week, Latavius Murray comes in 18 for 113 yards and a touchdown. McKinnon gets 14 carries for 47 yards, so he's still involved, but Murray kind of took the starting role in this one. It looks like maybe a hot hand approach for the Vikings going forward. Yeah, you can't argue with that approach because I think both of these backs have shown us this season that they're capable. I liked Murray in his Oakland Raiders days. I thought he was an impressive running back. Um, I'm surprised they actually let him go, but they brought in Marshawn Lynch and they decided to go with that. But, you know, Murray showed us he can he can still have a big-time game. So, you know, McKinnon, he, he's had some big games uh, the previous weeks. So, you know what? Like you said, right the hot hand. Um, you don't put pressure on the on the quarterback and, and let these backs, whoever's hot, ride it. Ride it till the wheels fall off. Yeah. And I think Jarek McKinnon is probably going to be the one who's more of a hot hand. Honestly, I think he's got uh, more of an ability there, and he's more versatile as well. He's a guy who can catch passes, whereas Murray is just uh, ground game only. So I think if you're looking for one, it's probably McKinnon. But it looks like his upside could be dampened because Murray is there and because he – is getting some touches as well, especially if he's playing well. So yeah. we'll move on. Uh, we'll move on to the Dallas game. They win forty to ten over the Niners. And uh, yeah, I'll just go to you right away. I bet you've got a lot to say about this game. Uh, yeah, you know, it kind of played out the way that I expected. I, I can't say I expected a thirty-point victory. And in all honesty, I think they were up forty to three. That last touchdown came in yeah. garbage time. So it was, yep. to me, it was it was even worse than the score shows. But you know, it, it, it's good to see that the Cowboys still have some life. And I'm gonna say this. Uh, you know, I don't think the Cowboys are a top ten team right now. They they barely made it to five hundred. So I'm not you know trying to go full speed ahead. But I will remind everybody of this. This team has scored 30-plus points in its last three games. This team, you know, they struggled to run the ball in the first half against Green Bay, but then they ran rough shot over Green Bay in the second half. So outside of that first half, they've been able to run the ball dominantly back to last season's standards. So I think there's a lot of uh, positive vibes with the Cowboys' offense. Sean Lee was back on the defense, so I think the Cowboys are are definitely a a team that could be on the rise. You know, again, they haven't really beaten anybody of note, but don't count them out yet because, let's face it, they have not played the Eagles yet this season, and it's going to come down to those two games if if they can close the gap here. Uh, But Dak Prescott, I know you got to love him on fantasy because he can score points through the air or on his feet. You know, he, he, he had four touchdowns, three throwing, uh, and one rushing. And he's a threat, especially with, with defenses keen in on, on Elliott. You know, and Elliott's another one, too. Big game. So, big-time fantasy numbers this week. And, and, I, and I don't see that changing, man. And if so if you have any of these Cowboys on your fantasy teams, the big, the big question with Zeke is, is he going to play? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm still wondering. And it sounds like he will be playing this weekend. But maybe not much longer after that. He could. He's having another hearing after that. So I really don't know what's gonna happen right. with him. I don't. I don't think anyone does. Like It's just so. It's such a confusing situation. You don't really know For what sure. to expect with that. But yeah, the the Cowboys definitely their strength is their offense, and you saw that in this game, 40 points. So big game for them. And I mean, they're going against the 49ers, who are 0 and 7. Yeah, but 
up until now, pretty much all of their losses were close games. They got destroyed in this one, so you're definitely seeing good signs for the Cowboys. Uh, the 49ers, they didn't go with their usual starter. They put um, a rookie quarterback in there. C.J. Bethard gets his first, I believe he started this game, so 22 for 38, start, yeah. And just, yeah, I mean, obviously they didn't score until late, so weren't really able to get much going there. He had a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter, I believe it was. Um, but other than that, they weren't really able to get anything going. I'm curious uh, how this is going to affect Pierre Garçon. He had five catches for 49 yards. I kind of expected more from him uh, in this game. Marquise Goodwin was the guy who got the most, four for 80. But I think probably the the team as a whole is going to struggle now that they're kind of adjusting to a new quarterback, especially a rookie. Yeah, especially the wideouts. You know, I I think you're going to see a a higher level of inconsistency, whether, you know, it's going to be Goodwin with the majority – uh, of the catches or Garcon. I think Garcon's pretty solid. So I, I wouldn't give up on him just yet, even with the quarterback change. Cause I think he can make even the worst of quarterbacks look decent. Um, but somebody not to give up on, I think is Carlos Hyde. He had uh, 68 yards on 14 carries and you're probably like, that's not great. You know, that's not a lot of points, but they had to give up on the run because they were down by so much in that second half. Oh, yeah. So they gave up on the run, but in that first half, he was on his way to, you know, beasting. And like you said, the 49ers have been in pretty much every game before this game. So no reason to think they're going to give up on the run that early. And Hyde is definitely, I expect him to have some big games, you know, going, going forward. Yeah. And a few weeks back, Kyle Shanahan was talking about how he considered Hyde and Matt Breda to be like the same back. There really wasn't much of a difference between them. But since he said that, Carlos Hyde has gotten all the carries, so I don't really know what to think about that. I, it seemed like he was going to be kind of splitting there, but didn't happen. So I'm, I don't know what to believe about that, but, yeah, Carlos Hyde will probably have some big games going forward. Uh, Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals, the Steelers win this one 29-14, and this wasn't really the typical Steelers-Bengals match you see. Usually these are low-scoring games. Uh, but they actually came up to a quick 14-14 game. This was uh, a big offensive explosion at the beginning, and it kind of slowed down from there. But we saw some big production from both of the offenses. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? I'll start with the Pittsburgh offense. The Pittsburgh offense has looked like, you know, it's starting to become the offense that was promised in the beginning of the season. Now, I had mentioned in the power rankings I did that, you know what, the sideline and the locker room situation isn't the best. You can just tell when you look at the sidelines, you can tell there's a lot of frustration. You can tell there's a lot of issues with the team. But on the field, on the field, they have weapons all across the offense. You know, Ben Roethlisberger isn't a, a great fantasy quarterback. Unfortunately, I have him, so I should know he's he's not as good as you would think. He doesn't have those yeah. big games anymore. But as far as, you know, the other players on that offense, Le'Veon Bell's a beast. A.B. is a beast. And, uh, you know, some of these young guys are starting to step up and, and score some touchdowns as well. So, you know, you can take it, you know, anywhere you want on the offense. There's there's talent there. There's going to be some, some players making plays. Yeah. Martavis Bryant was the guy who we expected to be the number two going into the season. But it looks like Juju Smith-Schuster has taken that role. He's been very consistent over the past few weeks while Martavis Bryant has continued having pretty much no production. So I think if you were looking for the second wide receiver for the Steelers, that's going to be Smith-Schuster going forward. They talked about maybe getting Bryant involved this week, and it didn't happen. I don't see any reason that changes because they've found success. 
And the Steelers, I think, are one of the better teams in the NFL right now. They, they're a very balanced team. Their offense is starting to get better, and their defense has been very good as well. So they're a team that I would be afraid to play. Le'Veon Bell gets 35 carries in this one and 134 yards along with three catches. He just continues to get his volume, and good to see him bounce back from kind of the slump he had at the beginning of the year. Um, but, yeah, the, the Steelers. Yeah, well, he missed, you know, he missed training camp, and I, it doesn't matter what anybody says. When you miss all of training camp, you're, you're going you're gonna to show some rest for a few games. Yeah, and we definitely saw that his first two or three weeks that he really struggled, but he's starting to get back into it now, so that's definitely good to see. He's getting a lot of touches, a lot of yards, so uh, good to see him bounce back. For the Bengals running game, Joe Mixon had seven carries for 48 yards. I mean, it's seven carries. I mean, I don't know if you watch this game or not, but he was making some good runs. He's getting some chunk yardage. I thought he played well, but he just doesn't get any volume, and I don't understand that. I don't either. I, I, as far as the talent goes, you know, Joe Mixon is, he'd probably be a first round pick if it wasn't for his off the field issues. And like mm-hmm. you said, I watched the game and he's got some burst, you know, he's got some burst. He can make people miss. I mean, he's a good young running back. I don't see why you wouldn't, you know, hand him the rock a few more times a game, but for some reason, for some reason they don't, but you know what? Look at the colors on the uniforms. Look at the helmet. We're talking about the Bengals. They're not the smartest team out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've had their issues for sure, and I i don't really know what their issue is. It's It's been getting better since they hired Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator, but still definitely have a ways to go. As you can tell, they, they struggled after their first two scores early in the game. Didn't really get much going after that. Andy Dalton throws for just 140 yards on the day, and Joe Mixon, as I mentioned, led the team with 48 yards rushing. So the offense as a whole struggled. Um, which we haven't really seen since the the offensive coordinator change. But, I mean, again, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a good defense. They're just a very well-balanced team, and I think that had an effect. Obviously, A.J. Green, is you still want him. Tyler Croft, I think, is interesting. He's been replacing Tyler Eifert, who recently decided to go to season-ending back surgery, so he's out for the year. Tyler Croft caught a touchdown, and he was I think we talked about him a few weeks ago where he had a two-touchdown game or something. And it seemed like a guy who was a regression candidate, but it looks like he might continue to be involved in the offense. Yeah, I think so. You know, Eifert, he's been, you know, injury riddled for the last couple of seasons. He's missed a lot of games. He was a big time player. So this team has no choice, but, you know, to make it happen uh, with the talent that they have now. So, you know, I, I expect some big games going forward from the tight end position there. Yep. I think Eifert had a role there, and I think Croft is going to take that. It looks like Eifert might not be with the team again next season. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. We move on to the Chargers. They destroyed the Broncos 21-0. to And, I mean, the immediate thing you think, the Broncos scored zero points. The Broncos are a good yeah. team, at least I thought. But they weren't able to get anything going in this game. You know what, though? I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to give some props to the LA Chargers here because that defense is legit. Uh, you know, they have a pass rush. You know, you have Ingram, uh, you have Bosa, and, and they get to the quarterback. And let's face it, Trevor Simeon, he's still a game manager, you know, and that defense has to play lights out in order for, I, I think, him to, to, to get the win for this team. And with the pressure being on them and them able to shut down the run, C.J. Anderson barely had 44 yards, um, 
you know, there was no offense whatsoever. And I think we have to give props to the Chargers here. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to say it was more good Chargers than bad Denver. Okay. I can respect that. Yeah. The Chargers, they started off 0-4 and now they're on a three game winning streak. So they're bouncing back. I think we, I can't remember if it's you that I talked to this about, but Mike Clay of the NFL uh, predicted that the Chargers were going to win the division. And I mean, originally that was looking preposterous, but now all of a sudden they're only two games up from the lead. So it looks yeah. a little less crazy now. They're they're definitely looking good. And I mean, Melvin Gordon struggled in this game. He had 18 for 38, but I mean, the Denver Broncos run defense is legit. Melvin Gordon right. got four straight goal line carries and was stuffed on all of them. And that didn't help his numbers at all. But, I mean, he had one 21-yard carry, and outside of that, he had 17 carries for 17 yards. So not a great game for yeah. him, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the Chargers on offense, let's face it, I mean, they're only going to go as far as Phillip Rivers can take them. Uh, he, you know, he has a good young target at tight end with Hunter Henry. Uh, you know, I expect that uh, that relationship to, to mature and for them to, to really get on the same page and start putting up some – some bigger yardage uh, than they have been. But outside of that, like you said, Melvin Gordon and the offensive line has a lot of injuries. They had a lot of injuries in the beginning of the season and in the preseason. So not much hope for the Chargers on offense, but on the other side of the ball, it's a different story. Yeah, they're getting stuff done. Casey Hayward, a great number one, and they've started to find some depth, even with Jason Verrett going to injured reserve, I believe it was. He's been out for a while, but they've, found some good young corners who were able to step up and yeah, their defense is looking good. So it's definitely made a difference for them. The Seattle Seahawks take down the New York giants 24 to seven. So after seeing the giants beat the Broncos last week, I'm thinking it was more, I don't know if you said uh, it was more good chargers and than bad Broncos, but I mean, you think about it, they lost to the giants last week and the giants didn't play great in this one. They haven't played in any other game really besides the Broncos. So what do you, um, what are your thoughts on the Giants, I guess? We'll start with that. I'm very shocked that the Giants are this bad. Now, I didn't have as high expectations as most of the analysts did out there in the preseason. I knew this team had some holes on the offensive line. I knew this team's receivers were overrated. Uh, you know, I didn't really expect Brandon Marshall to do a lot, and he didn't. He's already gone for the year. Yeah. But for them to struggle this badly, I didn't see it coming. And, uh, Honestly, uh, as far as this one goes, I think this is more bad Giants than than good Seahawks here. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's hard to expect that much from the Giants that you lose your top three wide receivers. Top four, actually, it was. Uh, Sterling Shepard didn't play in this game, and then Odo Beckham and Brandon Marshall obviously both went to season-ending injury reserves, so they're gone. And you expect that to uh, really have an impact on the offense. And you think that that would mean... Uh, more attention for Evan Ingram, the star tight end, but he goes six for 60 and a touchdown in this one. He continues to produce even when, I mean, you got to think most of the attention is on him for the offense. Yeah. You know, Ingram's a beast though. You know, I think he's one of the, the, the up and coming tight ends in the league right now. And I think in a couple of years, he'll, he'll definitely be a top five tight end, uh, but that's the only person on offense. I think that Eli Manning can trust right now. So, I think it's only natural to see that he's going to get targeted, uh, his fair share of targets. And uh, as far as the receivers go, you know what? It's just that he's going to spread the ball around. He has no other choice with the wideout. So there's really not a wideout that you can trust. There's really nobody as far as at the running back position that is of note for the Giants. 
So, you know, Eli has got his work cut out for him going forward. The offense has their work <laughs> cut out for them going forward for New York, man. I can't I can't help yeah. but laugh. Sorry, I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. They've definitely – I mean, they've struggled more than I expected them to, and now, I mean, I definitely do expect that to continue with um, all of their injuries, but didn't expect it to be this bad for sure. But it is good to see that Evan Ingram is – producing even in this tough situation, but really nothing else that you can trust on the offense for them. And uh, almost same for the Seahawks. I mean, their running game, they still haven't had a guy emerge. Thomas Rawls, Eddie Lazy, uh, McKissick, they're all still splitting carries. Like, they haven't had some guy step up and really take the lead role for them. So they kind of struggle there too. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I would expect for this running game to be performing a little bit better than it has so far. Uh, not quite up to par with the expectations there. But I think the reason why, uh, you know, Seattle has been able to to stay afloat at 4-2, and two, that's pretty impressive, uh, is because of Russell Wilson. Let's face it, you know what? He doesn't have a great offensive line. He doesn't have a running back to depend on in the running game. But you know what? He, he He's worth his money because he's getting the job done, keeping this team afloat. The defense is backing him up. Uh, Doug Baldwin, for as crazy as he can be on the sidelines, pushing his coaches and all that stuff, uh, you know, I think that's wrong. But on the field, you know what? I mean, he can't argue with this production. He he gets it done. Yeah, 9 for 92, and he was pretty much the only guy who did much of anything. Nobody else got more than four four catches. So Doug Baldwin had 9, 92 touchdown. So big day for him. But, yeah, you said uh, Seattle has a, not a very good offensive line. I think that's probably the understatement of the year. Seems like every single week Russell Wilson is just running like crazy, running for his life. Like there are definite problems on the offensive line, and that's part of the reason I think that the Seahawks have kind of had an issue holding it together. But I mean, they are four and two, so they're they're getting it done. And it's always not it's not always pretty, but it's happened. And yeah, I agree. It's a big part in due, due to Russell Wilson. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, He's the MVP yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Sunday night game, the New England Patriots beat the Atlanta Falcons 23-7. to A Super Bowl rematch, obviously, and one I was definitely interested to see. Didn't quite go the way I was expecting, though. I expected, I thought the Falcons were going to win, um, but even if they didn't, I thought it was going to be a little closer than this. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought that the, the Atlanta Falcons would come into this game, have a little bit of extra motivation, because of that whole 28-3 yeah. thing. Uh, but you know what? It just kind of shows me that maybe this team isn't quite ready for prime time. Maybe they're just not as consistent of a football team like we all thought they'd be, you know? I mean, there's really no other way to explain it. The the only tangible evidence that I can point to on why the Atlanta Falcons offense is struggling at this point is offensive coordinator. That's the only reason, because outside of that, I don't get it. You know, Sarkeesian's their their offensive coordinator. And and quite frankly, I I don't think he's a great offensive mind. Uh, Like I said, I'm an L.A. guy. He was the offensive coordinator here at USC, so I'm familiar with his play calling. And it's questionable at times. So now that he's in the NFL, I don't see how, you know, this is a a good match. I don't don't think he's really, you know, qualified to be on a, a Super Bowl caliber team as the offensive coordinator calling plays. But Outside of that, I don't understand why they're that bad. Yeah, I think that definitely has to be a big part of it. I mean, they have basically the same team. They haven't really lost anyone of significance, but they're struggling. I mean, Julio Jones, 9 for 99, and 
finally get the touchdown if you saw that play. Ripped it out of Malcolm Butler's hands. It looked like it was going to be a pick, but he made a great play on the ball. I think it's largely yeah, that was out of frustration. Sweet. Largely out of frustration because they're just they're struggling. That's really they're three and three, and I mean that's not something you expect from the team that just barely lost the Super Bowl, but they're just they're definitely under underperforming. And Matt Ryan's probably one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Last year's MVP. Yeah. Not really getting it done. On for the Patriots, Tom Brady. I mean, obviously he continues to produce. 249 and two touchdowns. One of those goes to Brandon Cooks, who gets his first one in a while, kind of just caught a screen pass, and then Rob Gronkowski bulldozed his way and made all the blocks so Cooks could get in the end zone. James White catches the other one. It's a two-yard pass. So, um, yeah, Cooks, Gronkowski, Hogan, you can trust all those guys on offense. I think the more interesting situation is the running backs. They still have a four-headed monster going there. Deion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley, James White. What's your opinion on those four guys? I like Gillisley. I like Gillisley. Uh, he was hot towards the beginning of the season. He's kind of cooled down. Lewis has started to step up. He had 76 yards uh, in this game, so he's definitely a threat. But, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite here uh, as far as if you're looking for fantasy because, you know, these guys are going to take carries from one another. And Bill Belichick is that coach. He he don't care. He don't care about your fantasy team. He, he don't care about anything. He doesn't care about their stats. All he wants to do is win. So you might see games where Lewis is getting all the carries. Then you might see a game where, you know, he has three separate backs, you know, splitting carries evenly. That's just the way Belichick is. Every game plan is so refined. It's so particular that there's really uh, no way to, to accurately say that, you know, this they're going to stick with this running back and he's going to get the majority of the carries. Yeah, I agree. And it looks like, um, I do think James White has carved out a role for himself just because he's a pass catching back, whereas the other three are more of the carry, the guys who get carried. Yeah. And Deion Lewis seems like he's going to be getting the majority of the work there, but yeah, again, Bill Belichick, you never know what he's going to come up with. So can't really trust anyone. I think if there is a guy, it's James White, just because he's a little bit of a different back. Uh, right now, I think Deion Lewis is the leader over Mike Gillisley for the carries, but yeah, it's hard to say. But that's that's my opinion on it at the moment. So we'll move on to the Monday night game. And I thought this one was pretty exciting. It was uh, not quite as close as the score looked. The Eagles win this one 34-24. Um, so the, the Redskins did score a late touchdown to make it a little closer. But I just love watching Carson Wentz. I'll, I'll say that. The Philadelphia Eagles are 6-1, and one, and that is in large part due to Carson Wentz. He had 268 yards and four touchdowns. He also ran for uh, 63 yards. I mean... The dude is a beast. If you, like, he had one play where he was completely surrounded by guys in the pocket and somehow escapes. That was probably the craziest <laughs> escape I've ever seen. Like I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised at that play. I know the play. I thought he was down for the sack at that point into the line. And to just see him, you know, scatter out for, what, like 17 yards or something like that, that, that was amazing. Uh, I have a question for you because you're a Green Bay fan. Uh, everybody's comparing him to Brett Favre, and I was wondering if, if you know, you're happy uh, with that comparison to, to compare him with uh, one of the all-time greats already. Well, uh, it is hard to say because I didn't get to see Brett Favre play for a long time, but I do think, um, I don't know, that that's hard because Carson Wentz has played very well. I think he's a little more protective of the ball than Brett Favre was. But you definitely see touches of him. Like, he's a gunslinger. He's, he's thrown some deep passes. 
I think he's. I think um, Brett Favre is probably a little more of a gunslinger than Wentz is. Like he was taking the deep shots, and he was a little bit uh, careless with the ball almost sometimes. So I think yeah. they're a little bit different in that way. But I can see the comparison. Yeah, I like Wentz. You know, he's a big, big kid, uh, six foot five. Uh, he's got all the measurables. Uh, he's got the physique. Uh, you know, four TDs in this game. I mean, and like you said. The difference between Wentz last year and this year is that deep ball. That deep ball is just an added weapon in his repertoire, and, and he's a legit franchise quarterback, um, no doubt. You know, I had my doubts last season, but he's proven me completely wrong, and I'm ready to admit that. You know, Wentz is for real. The only thing that holds me back with Wentz, the only negative I can find is I think he takes – too many hits. And I've been saying that for weeks. I think the first time uh, you got on with me on my podcast, I think I mentioned that, that I feel he takes too many hits and I'm just afraid, you know, he hasn't got injured yet, but you know, I'm not wishing injury on the kid, but I feel like he takes a lot of hits and that's just something to look out for. That's all. But everything else, I mean, this guy is playing at an MVP level right now. Absolutely. I mean, if he continues at this level, I think that he's definitely, going to be one of the leaders for MVP. You've seen you've seen his pocket escapes. You've seen his running ability. You've seen his deep ball, that 64-yard touchdown. I mean, it traveled almost all those 64 yards in the air. And it was still yeah. like, a very accurate throw. He caught it in stride. Like, I really like what I see from him. And that's um, for the that doesn't always translate to a lot of production for the receivers because he spreads the ball around a lot. Alshon Jeffrey didn't get any of those four touchdowns, and all four touchdowns went to different players. So it's hard to trust probably any of the receivers except for Zach Ertz, but Carson Wentz is a stud. That's I was saying that at the beginning of the year, and he's proving me right, and he's really, really playing well, big part of the Eagles' success. Um, yeah, and Zach, you know what? He he was even the leading rusher in this game, so this guy's yeah. doing it all for this team. I mean, yeah. you know, Wentz is legit. Yeah, I saw him take off quite a few times, and yeah, just really looks like the real deal. It's not often you see a guy who – uh, is a great passer and a great runner at the same time. Usually it's kind of one or the other. That's what I've seen from my experience. Like Michael Vick, Colin Kaepernick, those are guys who would take off more than pass, whereas Carson Wentz, I think, he he's kind of the ideal. Like he'll take off if it's there, and he's able to do that. He's got some speed, but he can throw you with the, he can throw the deep ball. He can throw really accurate passes. Like there was one earlier on in the game with Zach Ertz. Like he didn't look open, but – Carson Wentz made the perfect throw, laid it over his shoulder, and just perfect placement on those balls. So he's he's a really, really good player. Looking forward to seeing him continue to develop. Uh, for the Redskins, Kirk Cousins, three touchdowns in this one. I think the biggest thing that I like to see was Jordan Reed finally got back involved. Ten targets, eight catches for 64 yards and two touchdowns. We haven't really seen a ton of production from him at night. I was watching the game early on, and I was a little worried because Vernon Davis – was getting a few catches. He was four for 67 in this one. But in the end, Jordan Reed was the guy who caught the touchdowns. He's the guy that Kirk Cousins was looking for. Yeah, and, you know, without a doubt, because Jordan Reed is one of the most talented tight ends in the game today, the only problem with him, the only knock on him is the injury bug bites him quite a lot. So that's the only reason to to hold back on Jordan Reed. But when he's on the field, he's making plays. And and let's face it, Kirk Cousins, he he believes in him. He's got confidence in him at, 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 you know, receiving for a tight end. Yeah. Um, And then for the receivers, though, one interesting thing, Terrell Pryor didn't even see the field until the third series. He's just, it looks like, I mean, he's been a huge bust, honestly. He just didn't really do much of anything. He had two catches in this game. 
It looks like his role is going to continue to decrease. Josh Doxson looks like the guy who is going to be the number one receiver for them going forward. And Pryor might be riding the bench for quite a bit of that. He didn't get very much ride in this game. Maybe a possible uh, trade scenario is growing with uh, Bryant up in uh, Pittsburgh being unhappy, and you got Pryor probably unhappy with his touches in uh, Washington. Could be some trade partners there. Yeah, that would be – I would like to see that. That would be very interesting for sure. Um, and, yeah, not, not really much of note for the Redskins on the ground because they had to abandon it right away. The Eagles scored pretty quickly um, and went up early. So Rob Kelly, seven carries. Chris Thompson, seven carries, but didn't really get much there. So I think uh, for the Redskins, you can trust Jordan Reed. You can trust Kirk Cousins at quarterback, obviously. I don't know if you can really trust anyone at receiver at this point, though. Yeah, I'd agree. Right now, there's nobody that really stands out that you can say, hey, you know what, I think this guy, game in and game out, is going to put up some numbers. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree there. All right, that's all the games. So that wraps up um, our recap there. So, Phil, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Say What You Feel. Uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, be sure to follow. And uh, also, Check me out on YouTube, put up the weekly power rankings, put up uh, a weekly NFL podcast there. Uh, that's uh, the channel is say what you like. So do me a favor. And if you guys are listening, go ahead and subscribe, hit a like button, leave me a comment helps to uh, grow the channel over there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I listen to his power rankings every week. There's some really good stuff over there and I like his analysis. So I haven't gotten the chance to listen to this one yet. Cause I've been, uh, busy pretty much the entire day, but I'm definitely looking forward to doing that tomorrow. So go check him out for sure. And with all that said, thank you guys for joining us as always. It's a great conversation. So thank you again for joining, Phil. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I will talk to you all next time. All right. Thanks for joining, Phil. Cool. It was another good episode. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Um, and, uh, I want to try to get on uh, about the NFC with you, get some playoff teams or something, you know. Yeah. When do you? When did you want to do that? I mean, whenever you have uh, some time, man. I don't know if you have. I mean, honestly, I could probably do it real quick right now if you have. I, I could probably do it in like ten, fifteen minutes because I know it's getting late for you over there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super concerned. I get to sleep in tomorrow, so I'm not too worried about that. But, yeah. <laughs> I well, yeah, if you don't mind, I, I just – because I kind of just want to, you know, have some audio, chop it up, and post something up for tomorrow on a, for a weekly podcast. I, I basically just want to talk about, you know, which teams we can see in playoff contention, who we expect to fall off, you know, some teams that are maybe locks. And uh, you know what? I really wanted to ask you what you think about the Green Bay Packers right now with the Aaron Rodgers injury. Just a couple of things yeah. like that, you know. Okay. Okay, so we're doing uh, NFC and AFC? Um, you know what? If, to keep it short, we could just do a, uh, NFC, and maybe if you want, maybe you know, in a couple of weeks or something, we could do the AFC. Sure. Yeah, that'd be fine with me, whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, so should I uh, call you that way I get the audio, or yeah, that'd yeah, be easier? Or, or Okay. Or Okay. All right. So um, let me do that. I think I still have it on the, the Twitter. If not... If you could shoot it to me on the uh, the little Slack, then I can just uh, yeah, put it in. I can do that. But sure. Or you know what? Just give it to me. Actually, just give it to me right now. I'll, I'll type it in real quick. 
Oh, sure. have it on the that screen. Works. Yeah, that that actually is easier. Nine two zero. Uh huh. Two five two five four. Uh huh. Two seven nine five. Okay, nine two zero two five four two seven nine five. Yep. Okay, cool. Then uh, I will uh, I will ring you up in a in a minute. All right, sounds good. All right, cool. All right, I'll, I'll call you right now. All right, cool.